0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. And this morning, as as you're turning there, as I'm delivering the final message of 2020, before I get into how difficult and how strange this year has been, I want to start by reminding us who our God is. We need to remember who it is that loves us. We need to remember who it is that we're serving. And I just want to remind us that our God is good, that our God is faithful, that our God cares about us, and that there is nothing that he cannot do. I also want to remind us that God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, has been with us in the past and brought us through. He's with us right now in the present, and he will be with us in the future. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. Not only is he with us, but our God is for us. Now, this truth should give us great strength, and this truth should keep us from ever Fearing anything. There is absolutely nothing that we should be afraid of. Our God is awesome. Now, with that said, I want to acknowledge that this year, 2020, has definitely been what I would call a doozy. And, you know, I really don't think I need to remind anyone about this. This is old but current news. We still are in 2020, and we still haven't fully moved out of this craziness that the entire world has been experiencing. And, you know, I'm convinced that in the future, once 2020 is behind us and, and all the effects of what has have happened in 2020 are behind us, I am convinced that whenever you want to refer to something as being weird or strange or difficult and divisive, or divisive, see, even that could cause division here in 2020. But whenever you want to describe something as being really strange, all you're going to have to do is point to it and say, that right there is a 2020, and everybody who has experienced 2020 will know exactly what that person is meaning. And you know, even though we know that our God is awesome, that He's good, and that He's faithful and that he has proven himself to be perfect 100% of the time in the past. He's proven himself to be faithful all the time. He's always brought his people through trials. Even though we know that, there are times, if you're like me, that this year in 2020, you have been tempted to question God. Instead of uh, rejoicing in the Lord always, if you're like me, you have been tempted to grumble, you have been tempted to complain about this ongoing drama. And um, what I want to say about that is that if we're not careful, if we don't repent of our grumbling and of our complaining, we will find ourselves becoming like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And if you remember what the children of Israel are remembered for, it is being primarily a stiff-necked people, a difficult people, a stubborn people who walked in unbelief. And, for example, in the book of Exodus, when God's people were in bitter slavery and, and were under the oppressive rule of the Egyptians, after many years, God sent a man named Moses to set them free. And at the age of 40 Moses had to flee into the into the desert after killing an Egyptian for mistreating one of the Hebrews for mistreating one of his Hebrew brothers. And after he fled into the wilderness, we read in Exodus chapter 2 verse 23. It says that the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God, now listen to this. It says, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. In other words, the people were in anguish. Their lives were hard and they cried out to God and God clearly heard them and he clearly cared about them. But it's interesting to me that it took 40 years from verse 23 of chapter 2. It took 40 years for God to finally send Moses. That's when God meets him at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And this is what we read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now, it took 40 years, 40 years for God to respond to the cries of his children. And a question that might come to your mind as it has come to my mind is this. Why? Since God is good, since He is faithful, since there is nothing that He cannot do and He loves His people and He cares about us, why, why didn't He come to their rescue, their rescue sooner? And to be honest with you, that is a question that I have asked in my own personal life through the years as I've gone through trials. There, there's sometimes there are trials that persist, that will not end. And the question that comes to mind is why? God, why will you not come to my, tri- to, to my uh, aid right now? Why will you not deliver me from what I'm experiencing? And, you know, the truth is, in the midst of trials, God often does not explain to us why He does what He does. He's God. He knows what He's doing. But oftentimes, He doesn't explain it to us in the moment. Sometimes, we are able to get past our trials and to realize Um, why he did that, but that's not always the the, the case. But you know, one thing that I have learned is that when God seems to be taking a long time in the midst of a trial, it is not because he's not present and it's not because he doesn't care. And we know this because he sent his son Jesus down to die for us. We know it's not because he doesn't care. And in this passage today in in Exodus, we know that he cared about his people in Egypt and that the reason that he didn't come before 40 years isn't because he didn't care. We know that he cared because eventually he sent Moses. And Moses came to bring good news and to let them know that God does care and he has come down Set them free. And so, as most of us know, if you've read this passage, you know that Moses goes to Pharaoh with Aaron and they stand before Pharaoh and they say, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. And what does Pharaoh do? He says, No way, I don't even know what God you're talking about here. And so he refuses to listen. And so, for the next eight to nine chapters, God begins revealing his love for his people by causing plague after plague to come down upon the Egyptians. And through nine plagues, Pharaoh remains hardened and he resists the will of God until plague number 10 comes. And God strikes down the firstborn, not only of Pharaoh, but of every Egyptian. Exodus 12.30 says that there was not a house where someone was not dead. And so, plague number 10 is the plague that finally breaks Pharaoh. And he gives up and he says, okay, go on, get out of here. And for the first time in possibly 400 years, the Israelites were freed from their oppressors. And as they exited, Egypt, I am certain that they were full of rejoicing, they were praising God, they were excited, they knew that He loved them, and they were ecstatic about their new found freedom. But that's until we come to our passage today in Exodus chapter 14, because Pharaoh, after letting them go, as most of us know, changes his mind. Let's look at verse 5 of Exodus chapter 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? And so, as we know, he takes his army, he gets in his chariot, and he begins pursuing the the Israelites. He's going to try to recapture them and re enslave them. And at this point, the Israelites are trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptians who are coming towards them. Humanly speaking, there is no way that they are going to be able to escape. In verse 10 we read, And when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And look at this. This is the response of the Israelites. And they feared greatly. Now, this morning I want to point out just two gospel truths that are in our passage this morning that will teach us some things that if we can grasp this they are going to help us in the midst of our trials help us to move forward as we enter into 2021. And the first thing I want us to see in this passage is that we do not need to magnify our enemies. Do not magnify your enemies. Now God's people have enemies. We all have enemies. We have spiritual enemies. Some of them come uh, sometimes come in the form of a person. It might be a besetting sin, a, a trying season, or an ongoing trial. It's clear that God's people have enemies. And notice I didn't say, don't acknowledge, don't acknowledge that you have enemies. That That is foolish, because in order to rightly deal with our enemies, in order to rightly deal with sin and trials, we need to... to to identify them. We need to be able to know what it is that we are wanting to overcome or to move forward through. So I didn't say don't acknowledge that you have enemies. Rather, we need to make sure that we don't magnify them. In other words, we, we want to make sure that we don't make our problems, our trials, our enemies bigger than our God. And you know that's exactly what Israel is doing in this passage when they see the Egyptians pursuing them. It says in verse 10 that they feared greatly. And, you know, that's what happens when we focus on and when we magnify our trials and our our circumstances and our temptations instead of our God who can deliver us. Now, it's interesting because as we continue to read, it says that, "...and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord." And at first glance, you might think, well, that's a good thing. They are praying. They're calling on their God. But actually, this is not a good thing because they are not crying out in faith. Rather, they are crying out in order to grumble and to complain against Moses and against God. Let's look at verse 11 and what they said. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? What they're doing here is they are magnifying their enemy, and this has led them to be filled with fear. And this is also leading them to become totally irrational. They have become what we would call conspiracy theorists. They are a suspicious people. They're suspicious of Moses, and they are suspicious of God, and they are convinced because of fear, they are convinced that God had a plan originally before all of this, and he and Moses had a plan to trick them, to hoodwink them, and to bring them out into the desert and to kill them. And, you know, their focus is on the enemy. And because of that, they become fearful, and their thinking has become unreasonable. It's become unfounded. It has become un true. Well, in verse 12, as we continue, it continue. we see it says, Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. In their fear, they're not only being irrational, but they are also rewriting history. And, and they are confident that as they remember Egypt, they are confident, they are sure that when they were in Egypt, it was much better than it was now that they are with God. They are, they are convinced that it was not only better when they were in Egypt, but also that God is the one who forced them to come out into the wilderness. And you know, that's what happens a lot of times when we are in difficult seasons, in the present time when, when it's difficult, it is easy to look back and romanticize what it used to be like and to remember it to be actually better than it was. I don't know about you, but I can relate to this. Um, all throughout 2020, I have caught myself and I have heard others say something to the effect of, oh man, I just wish that things would what go back to normal i wish they would go back to the way they were before 2020 and it's just amazing how quickly we can forget how quickly we can forget that you know all seasons of life every single season of life has trials they are filled with difficulties and various trials and you know the funny thing is if you can go back on social media And look at people's posts back at the end of 2019. You'll see things like, man, this has been the most difficult year in my life. I am so glad that we are moving forward into 2020. Goodbye, 2019, and welcome 2020. That is hilarious to think about now for someone to post that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that life is difficult. It doesn't matter what year it is, we're going to have our trials. We're going to have our temptations. We're going to have things that drive us to, to fear and to despair and to, to discouragement, to, to try to paralyze us and to keep us from moving forward. And life is difficult. And the reason that we know it's always going to be difficult this side of eternity is because Jesus promised us that it would be. In John sixteen thirty three, he says, In the world you will have tribulation. In the world, you will have times of difficulty, but take heart. He says, take heart. He, says, he doesn't say wallow in it. He, says, he, he doesn't say magnify your enemies. He says, take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Yes, this life is difficult. Yes, there are trials. Yes, we are still in a trial worldwide, but we can take heart because Jesus has already overcome this situation, which leads us to our second and final truth, which is instead of magnifying our enemies, we need to stand firm, believe, and magnify God. Stand firm, believe, and magnify God. And in verse 13, we read, And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And I love verse 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Now again, the Israelites are backed up against the Red Sea, and their enemy... Who is obviously stronger and greater than them is advancing, is advancing towards them and threatening to recapture them and to re-enslave them. Again, humanly speaking, there is no way out. And let me ask you this. I want you to think about this. In this moment, right now, in this passage, what is it that God was desiring from? His people. What does he want, in other words, what does he want them to do right now? Well, clearly it is not that he wants them to stand up and fight. Because it, he said in verse 14, I'm going to fight for you. You just have to stand and be silent. You know what God wants here in this passage? It's the same thing that he wanted from Adam and Eve in the beginning, it's the same thing that he wants from all. Humanity, everyone who has ever walked on the face of this earth. It's the same thing that he wants from us right now, right now on December 27th, 2020. He wants his people to walk by faith. He wants our hearts to believe in him. He wants us to trust in him, to be fully persuaded that our God loves us that he is with us, that he's not going to leave us, that there is nothing that he cannot do and that he is for us. And he also wants us to remember what he has already done in the past, to remember how he's delivered us in the past, how he's acted on our behalf, how he has never ever one time abandoned us and how he has never let us down. We all know that if you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, you know that He is good and that He is faithful. And He wants us to walk in that faith so that we can confidently stand in front of our enemies, stand within our trials and be unafraid and stand firm and that we will be a people of praise, that we will be a people of worship, and that we will glorify Him even in the midst of our, of our trial. That's what God wants from us. He wants our hearts. He wants us to walk by faith and to trust in what He has already told us through His Word. And that's what He wants from His people right here in this passage. But the thing is, they, they choose, or they chose not to do that. They chose rather to magnify their enemy. And this led to fear, which led to grumbling and irrational thinking. Now, we don't have time to get into this this morning, but we're going to see that if you keep reading, you see that God delivers His people. He comes through. He separates the Red Sea, one of the greatest miracles short, uh, short of the resurrection. This is one of the greatest miracles in the Bible where He parts the Red Sea. He makes the ground dry. The Israelites march through, but when the Egyptians try to come through, their wheels get stuck in the mud and God Once the Israelites have come through, God causes the water to collapse upon the Egyptians. And it says that the Israelites never would see the Egyptians again. God totally destroys their enemies. And if you go to the end of chapter 14 and read chapter 15, we see that the people are rejoicing. They're praising God. They're singing songs of how great their God is. But there's something every time I read this passage that makes me sad. Uh, because I see it in myself like I see it in them. And that is this, is that the people are rejoicing, but they don't rejoice before God saves them. They don't rejoice and worship Him in the midst of their trial. In other words, they wait until He has already done what He said He was going to do. In other words, they are not walking by faith, but rather by sight. And if we don't take heed to the example that is in this passage, we are going to do the same thing. We're destined to repeat what they have done. And you know recently I heard a story about a Christian who had survived a Japanese concentration camp back in World War II and he was interviewed and was asked, how was he able to continue to move forward? How was he able to endure in a, a prison that was hopeless? How was he able not to give up? And it's very, for me, it's very interesting what he said. I think it's very beneficial. This, this can benefit us as we are seeking to move forward in 2021. He said this, that basically it wasn't optimism that got him through the camp, him being optimistic. As a matter of fact, he said that those who were optimistic, those who who kept saying, don't don't put your heads down, we've got uh, salvation coming, we're going to be saved soon, those who were optimistic are actually the ones who perished when their rescue didn't come as soon as they had imagined it would. He said that it wasn't optimism that saved him, but rather him putting his faith and his hope in God, Not that de- deliverance meant he would make it out alive from his earthly prison, but rather that deliverance had already come. His deliverance was knowing that God loved him and that he was already with him in the midst of his current trial. So he said, faith in God is what gave me the strength to endure. And you know that's true about us. Faith in God is what is going to give us strength to truly move forward in a time that is so unpredictable and unstable. And so as we are ending 2020 and we are heading into 2021, I want to I want to close by reminding our church once again who our God is. I want to remind us that that our God is good, that our God is faithful, that our God cares about us and that there is nothing, absolutely nothing that He cannot do, that He's been with us in the past, that He's with us in the present and that He will be with us in the future. And not only that, that our God is for us. And because of this, because of this, truth, we can choose to stand firm right now, today, and remember and believe and magnify our God. Because we don't have to live in a, in a world where we're asking, when is this going to be over? We are God's children through Jesus Christ, and we can be confident that He is with us. And because He is with us, We can continue to worship him and praise him and serve him no matter what our circumstances are. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, you, you are our God and we know that you are good. Lord, we know that you are faithful and we know that that you love us. (laughs) We know that you love us not because we have been good, not because we have been righteous, but because you have been merciful and gracious. That while we were yet sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love us and that you care for us. Even in the midst of trial. So Lord, I ask that you would help us today, right now, that you would help us to trust you right now. Right where we are, in the midst of our current circumstances, that instead of us magnifying those things that are discouraging, those things that paralyze us, those things that make us lethargic, I pray that you would help us to remember you and to magnify you that we would find true love and true peace and true rest that is found only in you. Lord, I ask that you would help us to remember how you've been with us in the past and that would encourage us right now that you are with us in the future and you are, you are directing our paths in the future. I pray these things for your namesake, for your glory and our benefit. Amen.